Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone.
Testing one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. How's that? All right, testing one, two.
Hey, folks, Roland Martin here. Today is Friday, June 21st, 2019. I'm broadcasting live from Atlanta, Georgia, where I'm here uh, to host the Susan Taylor National Cares Mentoring Movement uh, Golf Tournament. Uh, but, of course, the show must go on, and so I decided to do the show from outside. It's a gorgeous day, a little warm, uh, but it's all good. On today's show, uh, civil rights leaders demand justice for James Weaver after an off-duty Stockton police officer points a gun at him. Weaver will be joining us right here to tell his story. Uh, also, another officer involved shooting where a black man shot and killed in South Bend, Indiana. Uh, Mayor Peter Buttigieg, of course, who's running for president on the Democratic side, he uh, had left the campaign trail to return to the city to address what is going on in that particular uh, city. Also, speaking of the candidates, all the Democratic candidates are in South Carolina for the South Carolina Democratic State Convention. Tonight, as we speak, Congressman Jim Clyburn is having his huge statewide fish fry. Well, all of them will be there. He's also saying he's quite surprised that Senators Cory Booker and Kamala Harris uh, are not leading in South Carolina, where nearly 50% of all voters are African-American. What is going on with their campaigns? Also, Congressman John Lewis comes to the defense of Vice President Joe Biden after his comments with regards to uh, segregationist Senators Jim Eastland uh, as well as Talmadge. And so we'll tell you what Congressman Lewis I had to say about that. Is your diet killing you? The Minister of Wellness is here to help you sort through all the issues when it comes to getting you healthy. And also, what the hell's wrong with Larry Elder? He literally went on Fox News and said that no Republicans own any slaves. Can he read? This is the same man who wrote a book called Stupid Black Man. How about Stupid Larry Elder? Folks, it's time to bring the funk. I'm Roland Martin on the filter. Let's go. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling. It's on go, go, roll, y'all. It's rolling, Martin, yeah. Rolling with rolling now. All right, folks, glad to have you here. Roland Martin here broadcasting live from Atlanta, Georgia, uh, where I'm here for Susan Taylor's National Cares Mentoring Golf Tournament, uh, helping them raise some funds to mentor our young folks. But let's talk a little politics. Uh, Vice President Joe Biden has been embroiled in drama now for three days after the comments where he gave the impression to some that he was praising segregationist senators uh, who he worked with in the past. He has pushed back on that, saying he was not praising them. He was saying how he has been able to work with people who he is opposed to on any number of issues. One of the folks rising to his defense, Congressman John Lewis of Atlanta, Georgia. 
Congressman Lewis said he was not offended by what Vice President Joe Biden had to say, saying that he, too, has had to work with people who on the other side of the aisle who he would disagree with on any number of issues. Let's break this thing down with our panel. Joining us right now is Eugene Craig, CEO, Eugene Craig Organization, uh, joining us via Skype. Uh, in studio, we have Erica Savage Wilson, host of the Savage Politics Podcast, and C.J. Jordan, CEO of Jordan Management Group. Uh, I'll start with you, Erica. Uh, to have Congressman, first of all, several members of the Congressional Black Caucus have come out in support of Congressman Joe Biden. Uh, Congressman Cedric Richmond, who has already endorsed him, uh, he said uh, that there was a meeting the other night that took place between Joe Biden and several members of the CBC. Uh, we do also know that Senator Cory Booker and Vice President Biden had a phone call a couple of nights ago. It did not go well. Senator Cory Booker has been really critical of Vice President Joe Biden. Uh, and, and so, again, so the fact that this is still going on goes to show how potent the issue is. And, and frankly, Erica, Vice President Joe Biden has to be very careful not to stir up a hornet's nest unnecessarily. Oh, absolutely. And I believe that the hornet's nest has already been stirred up. And kudos to uh, Senator Booker for not allowing this just to pass. And also, I think we have to look at Joe Biden's unwillingness to apologize for um, his comments, which um, particularly in this climate when we have a racist president uh, at um, who has uh, started his re-election campaign because of course he never stopped campaigning ran tr um, raised 25 million dollars is saying that he wants to keep America great again and continues to roll out policies that hurt black and brown folk that um, Joe Biden talking about his colloquial relationships with segregation uh, um, segregation um, segregation as senators is um, something that does not bode well with the base of the Democratic Party, which is black people. And so his unwillingness to apologize when he, in effect, talked about Eastling um, to um, his crowd at this fundraiser to say that, well, he never called me boy, he called me son, and that we were able to work together to get things done. Well, now you're slapping in the face all men and women um, who have been called out of their names or have been demeaned and not recognized for their human capacity. And so the fact that Joe Biden has not apologized, I do think that that is something that we do not need to allow to um, go away with short-term memory. I think that's something that voters and people um, who are um, thinking about um, the primaries coming up and that are strongly considering yeah. all of these contenders need to take with them when they um, are considering when they go to the polls. Uh, oh, CJ, uh, many folks who support Bernie Sanders and other candidates have been talking about uh, Joe Biden opposing uh, uh, a busing law. In fact, uh, I got a tweet uh, a few moments ago uh, where folks have posted a letter dated June 30th, 1977, uh, to the Honorable James O. Eastland, uh, and it was said, Dear Mr. Chairman, I want, to want you to know that I very much appreciate your help during this week's committee meeting in attempting to bring my anti-busing legislation to a vote. I am hopeful that the, that the bill can be voted on at the next meeting, and with your assistance, I'm confident there is sufficient support for approval by the committee. Again, many thanks for your help. Sincerely, Joe. Uh, and this has been coming up as well from people who are critical of Joe Biden. How do you believe he needs to end this uh, before it continues? Well, the only way you're going to end it is he, you know, just comes out and do a dump. I mean, Right now, Senator Booker has taken him to task for calling Jesse Jackson a boy, um, you know, behind the scenes, and now that's coming out. 
you know, he has taken a position of not truly understanding why the 1994 crime bill locked up over half of, you know, the black population. He's not understanding that. He's also dealing, well, again, when they dredge up his comments on 7-Eleven and immigrants. And, you can, and, you know, their, their voice and their dialect, you can't walk into a 7-Eleven. That was what he did, said as vice president with President Obama. So all of these things are going to continue to drip, 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 drip out and show who Joe Biden was when he came into the Senate and those Democrats that he, well, Southern Democrats who he had a relationship with. And the question becomes for him and his team, when should we just do a midnight dump and just get it over with? Because until he does that, uh, you, it's going to continue. Right. You, uh, Eugene, again, the fact that this continues to go on, and at and, and first, again, you had Congressman Jim Clyburn, Congressman Cedric Richmond speak on this issue. Now you have Congressman John Lewis. Uh, if, you're, if you're the Biden campaign, you want this thing put to bed so you can begin to focus on the issues. Uh, and, uh, and do you believe that he is able to get past this? Uh, and, or or and as yesterday, as one of our guests said, like, look, if you're Cory Booker, you need this because, frankly, it's giving his campaign life. It's giving Cory Booker's campaign uh, life. I mean, my prediction, my prediction is that by you know fall, Cory probably just be focused on his re-election for U.S. Senate. Um, but it's given his campaign dramatic life because now he's seen as taking on the front runner. He's seen as uh, being a David fighting a Goliath. If I'm Team Biden, you know, I think look, you just simply issue an apology. It's a misunderstanding, maybe even a misquote, um, a miscommunication, and keep moving forward. I think nobody questions Joe Biden's uh, commitment to civil rights or voting rights. Um, you know, I don't think anybody questioned uh, uh, John Lewis or Jim Clyburn or Cedric Richmond, who are all, you know, strong African-American leaders that have, you know, stood up to Trump, that have stood up to, you know, hardened racists and segregationists uh, that are still sitting in the United States Congress today. Um, but, you know, the thing is this. At this point in time, you have a media circus. And the only way to deal with the media circus is to simply just look, apologize, move forward. You know, we live in a 24-hour news cycle. We live in a news cycle where, where stories last a day. It would be on to the next story if they don't keep stretching out with Joe fighting this. Well, let's go. Speak of the next story. Let's go to that uh, where all the candidates are in South Carolina, including Joe Biden. They're all are attending Congressman Jim Clyburn's fish fry. He, of course, uh, is the only black um, a Democrat from uh, in Congress. You have Senator Tim Scott, who is a United States senator. Uh, and so everybody is there for the fish fry of uh, Congressman Jim Clyburn. And he made some interesting comments today in an article in Politico where he said he is very surprised that Senator Cory Booker and Senator Kamala Harris have not been able to catch on in South Carolina. Nearly 50 percent of all voters in the Democratic primary there in South Carolina are African-American. Everyone assumed that South Carolina was going to be the place where a Senator Kamala Harris or a Senator Cory Booker could really pull away with the win. But the reality is, right now in the polls, as you look at it, uh, you have uh, vote jo Joe Biden leading among black voters. Bernie Sanders is second among black voters. You have Elizabeth Warren. Then you have Kamala Harris. Then you have uh, Pete Buttigieg. Cory Booker is around 4% among black voters. Uh, uh, Eugene, starting with you, I tried to tell people after Obama <coughs> it was going to be different for the next African-American running yep. for president. They were not going to get the same runway that Obama did, and we're seeing that. 
Yeah, and, and the things that also led up to uh, Obama getting that runway. If you recall back to twenty uh, to two thousand eight, um, you know it was pretty tight in South Carolina until uh, you know we had Bill Clinton's. This is a fairy tale situation, and then you know black community really rallied around Barack Obama. Uh, but one thing when it comes to the polling right now, I think what people have to be careful about is that polls, and this one that we learned in the, in the two thousand sixteen Republican uh, primary. The polls are simply a reflection of who's getting media attention and media coverage. So, you know, you look at Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders, you know, they're high name recognition. Bernie ran in 2016, Joe Biden, Barack Obama's former VP. Now let's look at Elizabeth Warren and Pete Buttigieg. Buttigieg is literally a creation of the media, and Elizabeth Warren has, for the last two weeks, been getting just glowing media coverage. Finally, you know, being that she's been putting out a plan a day. Um, and, and Harris and Booker, you know, they're they're at where the, the natural places are with their campaigns. We'll see what happens over the next uh, couple months or so. But right now, it's literally the polls are literally a reflection of who's getting what media coverage. And you can see that well, who rises and who falls. Uh, Erica, again, when you when you look at this, yes, it is very early. Uh, the first debate isn't until next week. But the fact that you have two black candidates running, I'm going to go back to 2004. Uh, I remember I made a bet in 2004 with Keith Klingscales. Uh, Keith Klingscales uh, was running Vanguard Media, and so I, I was, of course, the uh, I was the news editor for Savoy Magazine, uh, and he was supportive of Reverend Al Sharpton. And he said, Roland, Reverend Al Sharpton is going to win. He's going to win South Carolina. I said, no, he's not. I said, he, Reverend Al Sharpton has no shot at winning South Carolina. I said, Kara Mosley Braun has no shot at winning South Carolina. I said, black voters are smart. Black voters are going to sit there and say, hmm, who do I think can win in the general? That's what I think that you're seeing right now with uh, the current polling numbers. Booker and Harris are going to have to prove themselves to black voters. But black voters are saying, I want to beat Trump. And look, who do I think can beat Trump? Right now, they're saying Biden, Sanders, Warren. Sure. And I, I, agree, I agree with um, Eugene as well that largely a lot of what we're seeing in the polling is really reflective of um, media darling and also um, Obama nostalgia around Joe Biden. And black voters are absolutely pragmatic. They're very smart. But it is very early rolling. And so um, we do have you know, we're the summer months. So people are on vacation. People's attention is not really focused on what's happening during the summer. You know, we're engaged with it because this is our job. This is what we do. Um, but I would say let's start looking around September, November, the later months as we start pressing towards the primary to when people will start digging in, focusing, paying attention. The kids are in school. The schedules are a little bit steady. But right now it's just a bit too early. And you're absolutely right that because black voters are, again, pragmatic, that a candidate is forced to choose um, to make a real um, plea and a pledge to black voters, which I think that they should. CJ. Well, I think the first thing is when, you know, it's also showing that black voters, particularly Democratic black voters, are not monolithic. And when you start beginning to look at policy and geographical diversity, the question that you have to ask based on Senator Brooker being from New Jersey, Kamala Harris from California and their policies, do their policy positions prior to coming to the Senate align with those black voters in South Carolina? And some of it is not matching up. And so when you look at Joe Biden, until he flip-flopped, he was for the Hyde Amendment dealing with protecting, you know, unborn life. 
both Booker and Kamala Harris are pro, very, very pro-choice. So it's going to really come down to issues and voting record, and there's going to be a lot more vetting process than what they did in 2008. Jim, I, I, I disagree. I think what you have here, again, I think what, you, what you're seeing here is you're seeing significant love and support of Vice President Joe Biden because he was the vice president under President Barack Obama. That's first. Two, I think, for, frankly, let's just be honest. Vice President Joe Biden is known by more people than Senators Booker and Harris. They are going to have to assert themselves. Uh, again, the key for them is going to be, can they win South Carolina? The reality is this, and I don't care what anyone says, Erica, that is, if you're black, you can't win South Carolina, it's going to be a problem for you in other states. I know somebody is saying, oh, Roland Obama, he's black and he won Iowa. No, that's a different deal. The fact of the matter is, South Carolina is an early state. Yeah. And so it's going to be incumbent upon Harris and Booker yeah. to make some inroads there and uh, to cut into that lead because, again, they're going to need the launching pad of South Carolina, yeah. assuming neither one wins Iowa, neither one wins New Hampshire or Nevada. South Carolina is one of the first four. And you're seeing a Kamala Harris polling data right now shows other candidates are deeply cutting into her lead in California. This is this is going to be a dogfight, and I think people cannot make assumptions saying, well, she's from California, she's going to win California. No assumptions here. Right. And, but I think that this does bode well for black voters, uh, particularly because South Carolina um, has 60 percent black Democratic voters in the state, to really have candidates vie for their vote. So while Biden, the swath of the vote, um, the swath of the support that he's receiving is largely based off of um, him being the VP under the first African-American president of the United States, still those candidates that are um, polling low at this moment really do need to dig into defining what their black agenda is, talking about policies that uh, greatly do impact and uplift black and brown communities. So I think that South Carolina is important, and I also believe that it is something that um, all of the candidates need to take very seriously as it relates to the black vote. Last point here, Eugene. Uh, again, first debate is next week. Uh, the way it stacks up, Elizabeth Warren is in the first debate with Cory Booker and uh, as well as Beto O'Rourke. Second debate, Harris will be on stage with Sanders and Biden. Both of them are going to really need a strong showing out of the gate to be able to show that they can compete with the big dogs. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. I think, um, you know, I think Booker probably has the, the better of the advantage uh, than Harris does. But um, I think, you know, if you're Warren and Booker on that first night, you have to own the debate stage. You have to own the debate night. Um, you have to control the discussion. If you're Harris on the second debate night, you, you got to show that you can assert yourself uh, uh, being the only uh, black woman in the, in the crowd of largely white men. Um, on that stage. And so I think uh, they both have great opportunities with uh, huge possible rewards on them. Um, and uh, we'll have to see what happens. All right, folks. So let's go to our next story. An off-duty off -duty California cop was caught on video detaining a man at gunpoint during a road rage incident. Footage taken by the victim's friend shows police officer Kevin Hatchler standing over Weaver holding him at gunpoint. Folks, watch this video. All the way down on your face. Don't move. I'm not going to keep telling you. What's the problem, huh? Oh, what's the problem? What's the problem? 
Now, while he was on the ground with a gun pointed at him, three children ages 1, 3, and 12 were in his car. Uh, James Weaver is filing a lawsuit. Joining us right now is James Weaver and Reverend Shane Harris with the People's Alliance for Justice. James, I want to go to you first. Uh, you had no idea this guy was a cop? I, I mean, so he did he did, did how, when did you find out? I mean, did he present himself as that or did he just come out of the blue dressed in jeans and a shirt with a gun? Uh, I found out he was a cop after I was on the ground at gunpoint, basically. That's when I found out he was a police officer. Why did he stop you and why were you on the ground? So we we were coming from Reno into Stockton to buy a car. And um, we were also picking up a friend because he was on the train. That's actually where it all happened at. And we were going to meet him, and then that's kind of mm. where the situation all escalated and happened there. Right. But, but, but what, what I'm saying is, why did he stop and detain you? Uh, did he just say it was a legal turn? I mean, like, what was the reason? Why, why all of a sudden did, did he pull a gun out and have you on the ground? He, he said that I swerved and um, tried to hit him, and I was driving erratically. Uh, Reverend Shane, I want to go to you now. It's very interesting because I, uh, it was, I remember being in Chicago, uh, and I was going down a particular street, and then this, this uh, unmarked car uh, sped up beside me, and this guy's yelling at me, and I don't know who the hell he is. I can't tell he's a cop. Then when he jumps out of his car, you know, he's showing his badge. And I tell him, I said, how am I supposed to know? He was like, why don't you pull over? I said, well, who the hell are you? 
I said, no lights on the car. I said, I don't see a badge. I'm not just going to pull over just because you want me to pull over. Right. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, what we're seeing here is a big concern to us, uh, Roland. And thank you for always highlighting such important issues. This is why your platform is so needed across this country, because black and brown men in this country are, uh, you know, profiled at larger rates than any other race. Um, black and brown people are incarcerated uh, more than any other race. And, and, and the reality for particularly black men like James Weaver is that this man is on, is on the road. He's headed into Stockton from Reno, Nevada to buy a new car. And basically this cop gets rogue or angry because of his interaction with Mr. Weaver. He's off duty. He's an off duty officer. And he, Waits until Mr. Weaver gets to the location he's going to after driving behind him for more than a mile. And here's the thing. Off-duty cop is not, is, is not supposed to even approach someone unless it's a, a complete emergency. He had at least a mile worth of time to call backup and be able to get some other backup actual on-duty officers with him. So he gets out of his car. James gets to the scene. And James is walking to his getting arriving at his location, walking into uh, the train station to pick his friend up. And this cop who does not identify himself until he pulls his gun out, tells James Waver to get on the ground. James is seeking answers about who this man is. I mean, why is it that we are in a society where we're not able to tell the difference between a robber and a cop? He, he, he doesn't know who this man is. And all the way until after James gets on the ground, which I don't know if I would have done, Roland, uh, then does this cop tell his friends and the other people in the car, his niece, that he's a cop? I mean, this is really egregious and very scary when you are in this kind of society where you are not able to even know the difference between a robber and a cop in this particularly off-duty situation. This cop should have called the police, James. should have called those on duty, sure. right. and should have had some kind of process of ensuring his safety and the safety of James Weaver, but instead used his rogue, angry nature and his position of power as a cop to go after James Weaver. James, I understand that you're filing a lawsuit? Yes. And uh, when will that take place? Um, I'm not too sure yet. We're, it's still in the progress at the moment. Uh, well, Next first week, of all, we, we're certainly glad that... I'm sorry, go ahead, Revan. Yeah, Attorney Stephen King uh, here in Southern California uh, is actually going to be taking on James Weaver's case. And I believe that Attorney King is going to be uh, coming up to Sacramento, I mean, Stockton area, uh, to meet with Mr. Weaver and, and do, a, do a press conference with Mr. Weaver in announcing uh, the lawsuit. Real quick before we go, I think this is very important. Um, you know, we are uh, uh, have spoken to the mayor as well as the uh, police chief, uh, our Stockton Sacramento leadership of the People's Alliance for Justice, Chris Adams and others are up there dealing with that. And the, the real fact here that was really concerning to us, Roland, was the fact that 
This actually was confirmed by the mayor, by the leadership of the city, uh, the police chief, that this cop was, in fact, off duty, that this cop, uh, uh, you know, was, in fact, uh, you know, didn't really have a whole lot around this. James Weaver goes back to Reno, Nevada, where he lives. He was coming to Stockton to buy his car. The cop obviously charged him or sought to charge him with uh, assault with a deadly weapon, which was his car. Uh, and that charge wow. was dropped. James Weaver found out that charge was dropped when he traveled back from Stock to Stockton a week later for his court hearing date to find out from the clerk that he didn't need to be in court because there was no reason to be there. There's no charges on his file. And then to find out from the district attorney through media that the charges had officially been dropped, that the charge had officially been dropped. So we believe that even though this is not a big money case, uh, we know that Attorney right. Ben Crump and uh, D.L. Hewley, who we think uh, pushed it out there, we know this is not a big money case. This is about racial profiling in this country. What happened to the family in Phoenix? Egregious. And this Got is it. the kind of platform that we need to ensure that people understand that you cannot do this to young black men in this country. And if you do it, we're going to be there to stand up for justice and we're going to be there to organize. And so uh, attorney Stephen King is going to be taking on this case, but we're going to be organizing and continuing to organize on James Weaver's behalf along with him and his family, because we believe what happened to him was really egregious and really wrong at every lane. So if folks want to Got know it. more information they can uh, reach out to the People's Alliance for Justice at 213-349-2261 or go to peoplesallianceforjustice.net as we continue this fight for James Weaver in Stockton. All right, folks, I appreciate it. Uh, James Weaver and Reverend Shane Harris, thank you so very much. Thank you. Thank you. All right, folks, we come back. Uh, we're going to break down. We come back. We're going to talk about uh, getting ready for summer getting your body ready, which might mean changing your diet. All that next right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Some broadcasting live from Atlanta, Georgia. Back in a moment. You want to check out Roland Martin Unfiltered? YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roland Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roland Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. All right, folks, they're back. MarijuanaStock.org has another great investment opportunity. If you were lucky enough to invest in their last crowdfunding campaign, you know they raised a lot of money in just a few months investing in legal marijuana farms. Those initial investors now own shares of a publicly traded company. And, of course, they are very excited by that. Now they have a new investment opportunity that is as good, if not better, than the last. I'm talking about industrial hemp CBD. For those who don't know, the hemp plant is a cousin to marijuana, uh, of course, and then you, it has a higher concentration of CBD, which means hemp CBD gives you all of the medical benefits of marijuana without getting you high. Now, until recently, hemp farming was practically illegal in the U.S. and heavily regulated by the DEA. However, that changed with the 2018 Farm Bill, making it legal to grow hemp CBD in the U.S. and creating one of the largest commodities worldwide. They need land to grow all of the plants, and this makes for an incredible investment opportunity. And that's where our good friends at 420 Real Estate come in. Their business model is simple. They buy land that supports hemp CBD grow operations and lease it to licensed high-paying tenants. That's right. They are hemp CBD landlords, and you can get in on the action. 
You can invest in this crowdfunding campaign for as little as 200 bucks, up to $10,000. All right, folks, all you got to do is go to marijuanastock.org. That's marijuanastock.org if you want to get in the game. And if you do so, do it now. All right, folks, welcome back to Roller Martin Unfiltered. Now, today, of course, is the first day of summer, and people are already posting their photos by the pool, by the beach, and there are others who are saying, I'm not doing any of that because I don't look the way I want to. Well, part of that is also not just exercise, but it's also what we eat uh, and when it comes to losing weight. And so joining us right now to talk about uh, this is Nathaniel Jordan. He is uh, the Minister of Wellness. Uh, Nathaniel, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing good, brother. It's a it's an honor to finally speak with you. So again, folks talk a lot about uh, again uh, working out and and walking and exercising things along those lines. But if you talk uh, to me, nutritionists, they tell you the key to losing weight, eighty to ninety percent of it is really your diet, not your workout. Co- correct, and I'm a living witness because I lost one hundred pounds. And I've kept my weight off for seven years. And I also reversed the killer of 400 black men every three days, and that's heart disease. And I want to tell you also, Brother Roland, the response that I received from the lecture that you live streamed that's still up on your page is is still, I'm still getting feedback from that. People, lives have been transformed. So I, I just wanted to throw that out there and, and to say thank you. Um, you should see some of the testimonials I, I got from people changing their family's diet and reversing even, even mental illness. But diet is diet is the cake, and then exercise is the icing on top of the cake. We have to change our diet. Um, you talked about uh, reversing, losing 100-plus pounds, uh, keeping off for seven years. How did you do it? I learned about the 12 components of food addiction. The reason why we all want to be lean and healthy, but we're struggling to achieve that is there are 12 components of food addiction. The the foods that we're addicted to, let's be honest, they're more addicting than crack cocaine. And many of us, it no matter what type of willpower we use, unless you understand addiction, and those 12 components that I've discovered through my seven years, because it hasn't been easy, brother. Has it been easy to stay this way? And I've put together these components, and I travel the nation as a speaker teaching people how to defeat those components of food addiction. And one, and that's, that was one of the lectures that you live streamed, uh, Genocide by Diet, on your, on your Facebook page. I'm going to go to Eugene Craig because Eugene, of course, uh, has talked about uh, getting uh, type 2 diabetes. Was it type 2 diabetes, Gene? Were you uh, were what, type 25? One, type 1. Type 1? And how type old one. were you? Uh, 26 at the you time. So you were, 20, you were 21? You were 26, 26 at the time. time. Uh, so, so, Eugene, what question do you have for, for, the, for, the, for the minister? Uh, so, so um, you know, one thing that my endocrinologist told me, uh, you know, when Discover had diabetes was uh, – some of the slight changes uh, and diet, um, dealing with carbs and dealing with meat. Uh, what are the, some of the minor things that could have major impacts that people could do? Um, you know, because sometimes it's, it's the slight changes in your lifestyle uh, that could have the uh, major impact on uh, how you live. Well, well we want to eat a diet that's based on fresh fruits and vegetables. Those, the, 
It's the micronutrient content, the vitamins, the minerals, the natural phytonutrients within plant foods. It's the old saying, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. The foods that have the most medicines of fresh fruits and vegetables. The problem, brother, is that we, are, we have lost our taste for real food and we have become addicted to fake food. And our addiction is so strong that we call fake food we call real food rabbit food, and fake food is human food now. So we have to flip define, that. Define fake food. What, 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 do you, what do you consider fake food? So fake food would be the foods loaded with all the, uh, the toxic chemicals. So you have a takes a, a Oreo cookie or the Twinkies or uh, the donuts and cakes with the paragraphs full of ingredients you can barely pronounce. Uh, then we have to consider where our meat is coming from. Uh, they, they're, they're sticking them with loads of hormones and antibiotics and the diet they're feeding them is unnatural. So I consider those fake food because they don't give, they add no uh, nourishment or medicinal value to our body and more importantly to our brain, which is something that we're underestimating, um, with, which I, uh, again, I have a whole lecture that I focused on uh, concerning that. So we, so those are the food, those are, I call them franken foods. They're designed in a laboratory to take the plant, whole plant foods and manipulate them. And we get all of these uh, fake foods that are in many places, though, the only options that people have to eat. Erica. For joining us, and I just want to say, Oorah, my father is a Marine, served for over 20 years. And so with the message that you're carrying, you're talking, you just shared with us that food addiction is even more aggressive than someone who is addicted to crack. How do we get that message to penetrate um, into mainstream so that um, people can start to reverse course at numbers that um, really seem like the message is taking hold? Well, it, it's, it, it's, a, it's a difficult, it is a difficult hill to climb, but that's why uh, me as a health speaker, I travel around to different organizations. It's growing within the church. I, I speak at churches quite often and other organizations, NAACP and Urban League, and usually uh, the response is tremendous, but it, it, it's, it's a lot of knowledge. It takes a lot of knowledge. I have signature programs that I teach that really focus on empowering people so they can believe that they can do it because a lot of people have lost hope. They don't believe that life is worth living without eating barbecue ribs and fried chicken. And I know this because I posted videos on very large platforms. Even when I did the live stream with you, Brother Roland, because the video I did with you, it got a combined over 100,000 views. And even within the comments, you still have, uh, unfortunately, a lot, a lot of naysayers who just don't want to accept the fact that what we eat could even affect our emotions and could even affect how we treat each other and how we feel. So it, it's an uphill battle, but I'm, I'm, fi I'm fighting that battle. I was out in D.C. working with Rock Newman. That's how uh, I got connected to have the honor to have that whole live stream uh, posted on, on your page. And I had uh, helped him, but even he'll tell you the battle, um, the, battle with, the battle with food addiction is serious. I don't know anybody who has these 12 components like I do. And, and that's why I, I appreciate you all's help in giving me these type of platforms to let people know that, hey, I've reversed heart disease. I lost 100 pounds. I've kept it off. I'm seven years strong, and I have the knowledge to help you all 
to get off what I call the death train. CJ, uh, final question from you. I think one of the things I would love to know, you know, when people talking about the fruits and vegetables, because I grew up on a farm, and the fact that they would have to convert back to using that as a primary means, for particularly for women, there often comes a pH imbalance. Um, what do you share with folks as they are beginning to restructure their eating habits and natural ways to um, stabilize their pH balance for women? It's a, there's, a, there's definitely a period of detoxing that we have to go through. That's actually one of the components of, of, of overcoming food addiction is the withdrawal and the change that goes on in the body. Uh, um, however, it, it, it doesn't take too long. And I have tremendous success stories. If you go to my website, theministerofwellness.com, I have dozens of success stories pouring in across the nation. And most of my success stories usually are women. And I do want to encourage sisters out there that I tell you that my female clients, they, they lose weight just as quickly and just as permanently and reverse their conditions just as fast as men do. So it's just an initial period of letting the body change. Uh, but when you really dive into it, it shouldn't take any longer than one or two weeks. Nathaniel Jordan, uh, we appreciate it. How can people reach out to you? Well, I'm on YouTube, the Minister of Wellness. I have a 12-part series covering each component of food addiction. My website for seminars is NathanielJordan.com. I have books, DVDs, and supplements at TheMinisterOfWellness.com. TheMinisterOfWellness.com, I'm the only one in the world, and that's how you can find me on any social media platform. All right. We certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much for joining us. Yes, sir. Thank you. It was an honor, brother. All right, folks, going to a break right now. We come back. Where are the black people going in Chicago? They're losing their black population. We'll discuss that next. Roller Martin Unfiltered, back in a moment. Hey, fam, I want you to like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications. Black literature is taught as sociology, as tolerance, not as a serious, rigorous art form. Writer Toni Morrison. Okay, all right. Yeah. All right, folks, let's talk about what's happening in Cook County. Uh, according to the U.S. Census, they're continuing to lose black people and white folks. The Hispanic and the Asian population continues to grow. At 1.2 million, African-Americans still make up. Cook County is still, still the largest county of African-Americans in the country, but they lost 75,000 African-Americans uh, in the last year. So what's going on there? I want to talk, talk about this with our panel. Eric, I want to start with you first. Uh, the reason that th this is important because now what you're talking about, you're talking about a shift in terms of control of cities and counties. You look at Washington, D.C., of course, used to be known as Chocolate City. Um, it's barely Mocha City right now. And so even though you have a black mayor, the reality is this city is changing. Right. Now, the benefits of that, you're seeing African-Americans who are moving into uh, Prince George's County and Montgomery County. Uh, but 
population shifts where you've had significant black population also is going to lead to changes in those places. Uh, and so Chicago has to figure out what do they do about this. Uh, clearly, a lot of people, leave, I know people, I know personally people who are leaving because of the violence in that city. Uh, also, for some folks, it's the cold. What we're also finding, Erica, are a lot of black people who are leaving northern and midwest cities returning home to their southern roots. Absolutely, Roland. And you know why? Because it's more economically advantaged for those families to do that. So listen, you mentioned Chicago and D.C. D.C. is one of the number one um, uh, it's leading in gentrification um, and it's on steroids, particularly when you start um, thinking and talking about opportunity zones, which um, the mayors across the 50 states had to assign 25% um, of land for those, um, for people to come in um, for those opportunities to really gentrify neighborhoods. So going back to what we're seeing happen in Chicago, you've got four neighborhoods. I was reading a report today. You have four neighborhoods that were historically black and brown neighborhoods in Chicago that are now unrecognizable. Um, that definitely has an impact as well. So as people begin to see their neighborhoods changing the landscape, um, that the property taxes are going up, uh, as you mentioned, people are returning not only to their roots, but to a place where they can grow their families and it won't hit them as hard in the pocket. Eugene, the point that uh, she makes about economics is really critical because the reality is when you talk about uh, living in the Northeast, living in the Midwest, a lot more expensive than it is living in the South. When you look at the price of homes, things along those lines, let's also be honest, when you look at some of these states like Texas, uh, where you have no state income tax, uh, black folks are saying, you know what? Uh, yeah, those states might be different. They might be deemed red states, but for many of us, that's home. Yeah, and the other part of it is that a lot of these states have growing economies uh, in comparison to a lot of the states that they're leaving. Uh, Illinois is in a, from a broader standpoint, is in a fiscal crisis year in, year out. Uh, in particular, Cook County, uh, with a lot of the redevelopment, um, the home prices are rising, but the economic opportunities aren't rising. Um, and so what you're seeing is that you're seeing, you know, Atlanta become what, you know, Detroit was. Uh, you're seeing what a lot of cities in Texas become what the North was, you know, 50, 60 years ago for black people. And so it's a lot of it, a, a big part of it is economic. A big part of it is the accessibility of economic opportunities and the uh, cost of living. Uh, CJ, this also has an impact on politics. One of the reasons that you're seeing Reverend William Barber and others push so hard in these southern states uh, because they want to ensure that black populations are being able to benefit from these population shifts. And we better understand that moving for economics is one thing, but we want to ensure that our power is also not diluted while that happens. Well, <clears throat> the one thing that that data also showed was the increase of Hispanic growth also in southern states and in southern cities like Atlanta, like in North Carolina. And so, you know, the African American community, we really need to have a, a discussion amongst ourselves of what does this browning of America mean for us when we have been the majority minority? Because we're going to be not the majority minority anymore. And, how do we continue to progress and get 
our community well, hold, hold, move well, ahead. First, first of all, we're not the majority. First of all, we're not the majority minority right now. I mean, frankly, the, the the Latino population is larger than that of the African American population. So that's that's the way it is right now, anyway. Well, but again, what I was saying is, how do we come together to really? deal with the transformation of this population shift because we have been the majority minority for a long time and so now no we, we have not that that no no we lost that uh, again, a while ago again I as mean, i was saying Roland, for a long time we were but that population shift is happening and so how do we as the black community really become accustomed to what this new meaning means because there are still some cities where we are still the majority minority but that is rapidly changing and how do we when we start looking at losing our electoral clout um, the shifting of more black Hispanics running that might not identify with the black American experience so we must have a true well, conversation as the population shift begins to happen I'm sorry I'm sorry what what are you talking about? There what am I talking about? Was the data that you just talked hold about? Hold up, hold up, one second, one second, one second. There are more black members of the Congressional Black Caucus today than there have ever been in history, Eugene. Roland, the thing with CJ is getting at is the old conservative, you know, fallacy and trope that hey, it has to either be black or Hispanic, one or the other. That you know, you know, both groups can't rise together. Um, as if, you know, the plight that we all are dealing with is not similar or one and the same. Um, you know, increasing Hispanic numbers uh, uh, does not mean that, you know, black voters uh, are now near vote mean, mean less or that there can be less opportunities for black voters. That's a, that's, a, that's a conservative fallacy that conservatives like to use, uh, you know, in regards to the Hispanic community and, and, and particularly uh, immigration. Um, that's where CJ's getting that. No, um, that's you know, not where I'm getting it. I'm looking at the data, the and, and it goes back to when Ross. No, no, no. This is not a. I did not get this from a conservative talking point, Eugene. Hold up, hold up. I can't hear either one of you. Eugene, finish your point, then CJ. I said, CJ literally just sat here and said, hey, we need to figure out what black America's face is going to be in the browning of America, as if the as if the increasing Hispanic populations are going to displace black America's either political power or economic power. That was literally her argument. And that is absolutely right, now, correct. CJ. Because, And again, when you look at the Congressional Black Caucus, yes, we do have the most number of members in the CBC. But it also was a spat that took place when Charlie Rangel lost his seat to a black Hispanic. And that played out in public of where his allegiance was going to be, whether it was going to be to the Hispanic Congressional Caucus or to the CBC. And so we must okay, have this up, conversation. Stop, stop. First, of all, the guy, first, of all, first of all, the guy who he lost to is the first Dominican uh, in the United States Congress. That's, That's not what I'm arguing okay. about. That, hold up. Hold up. But my point is that congressional district also changed. Look. It, it, look, the, and that's the, the about, again, goes to the no, shifting no, no, wait, of wait, demographic wait, 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 population are, shift. Wait a minute. You guys, Sanford Bishop is the mayor of Congress from Georgia with a significant white population in his district. So, so I, look, so the, the bottom line is this here. 
what's going to happen what's going to happen is when we talk about population shifts what it also boils down to are African Americans voting our numbers to ensure that we're maximizing our power. That, to me, I think what has to happen. I gotta go to my next story. I, I meant to mention this earlier, and that is uh, Pete Buttigieg is having to deal with the shooting there uh, in South Bend, Indiana. According to police, op- police reports, the officer was responding to a call regarding a suspicious person going through cars downtown. He found Eric Logan partially inside a vehicle in the parking lot of Central High School apartments. The officer says the he approached the officer the officer says he approached the officer with a knife raised and was then shot now there's no body camera video the name of the officer who shot eric logan has not been released but he has been placed on administrative leave uh the fact that this happened uh uh, uh eugene uh judge had to come off of the campaign trail uh to address this issue and people have also been critical saying wait a minute buddha judge why why didn't you have body cam uh, videos in your police department? And I saw one tweet where somebody said, how are you espousing policies to be president that you haven't even implemented as a mayor? Yeah, I mean, and, 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 and the thing about it is this. Uh, mayors have the most direct localized control of police departments. Yeah. A mayor wants their police department to have body cameras and body cameras that don't turn off. They can have it. They can mandate that it's policy that, hey, you turn off your body camera, you get an automatic suspension. You turn off your dash camera, you get an automatic suspension. Um, you know, the fact that this uh, officer's name has not been released yet, uh, but we have a dead citizen, is, uh, is, is egregious. I think, you know, next week when, you know, folk are in debate stage with them, they need to directly question them about it. They need to directly uh, point it, ask questions about, hey, why haven't you released the name of this of this officer yet? Um, and, 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 you know, folk are correct. You cannot... On one hand, you know, expose policies of what you want to do to a nation that you won't even do in your own city. Yeah. Uh, Erica. Yeah, and um, just what Eugene said, so mayors have uh, the power and they oversee housing, transportation, fire, and police departments. So he does not get a hand clap of plays, a slow clap. This is literally his job. And the fact that um, in the piece um, reading today, that he talked about when he went and spoke with people in the community, he felt like, and I'm paraphrasing a bit, that it was really a good idea to really communicate uh, what happened in, uh, with, uh, with, the, um, with um, people that are in his community. This is his job. And so, honestly, uh, I, am, um, I am very now more curious about, number one, why he's running, what is the interest that he has in the American people, when he doesn't seem to be connecting mm-hmm. with his um, own community that he was elected um, elected to do. CJ, your thoughts? Well, m- my curiosity is the fact that why did it take a police shooting for him to even show up in the black community in the first place when there's plenty of reports that African-Americans in his city have not seen him, much less, you know, he hasn't showed up. So the question is, where has he been since he's been mayor um, in the black community? Where's Where's Pete? Because he hasn't been showing up until. All right, shooting. folks. All right, folks. I gotta go. It's my last story, and you know what? We might as well deal with stuck on stupid to end the week. And this, he always does this. So on Fox News. So you, first of all, here's what you have right now. You get a whole bunch of Republicans, Dinesh D'Souza and others, who want to make the argument that racism and slavery and Jim Crow was all Democrats. And it was that it was all because of Democrats. So Larry Elder, of course, the one who wrote a book called Stupid Black Men, sound like a stupid person 
when he went on Fox News and said this. We need affordable health care. Right. So he's basically saying what you said about stop living in the past. Let's move forward and focus on how we can improve. And then also you had Burgess Owens, who um, the athlete, the Oakland Raider, he was in there and he said, listen, I used to be a Democrat. He said the party that is the right. party of slavery. And when I did some investigating, I realized that that's why I need to leave the party. And he also said that we need to focus on on black children doing better on test scores. And he mentions what's happening in the state of California. Well, that's right. Only about 5% of white people have any sort of generational connection to slavery. The government did not own slaves. Republicans did not own slaves. Democrats owned slaves. Democrats founded the KKK. Democrats opposed the 13th Amendment, the 14th Amendment, the 15th Amendment. As a percentage of the party, more Republicans voted for the Civil Rights Act of 1964 than did Democrats. Maybe Democrats ought to sue themselves for reparation. CJ. Are you, as a, as a black conservative, are you embarrassed by Larry Elder? I mean, there are some things I agree with Larry on, some things I disagree with Larry on. But are you, are you consistently embarrassed by him sound like a damn fool? Well, depending on what the subject matter is. So, no, I Any can't subject. say... I, I Eugene, can't. Eugene, he was lying, Eugene. First of all, Dinesh D'Souza tweeted out, uh, that if anyone can prove to me that Republicans own slaves, I will take these tweets down. Historian Kevin Cruz broke his, <laughs> put his foot in his ass, and he went tweet after tweet showing Republicans who were slave owners. Can, I don't understand why the why Larry Elder and people on Fox News have this 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 fascination that somehow that white supremacy was a democratic thing. White supremacy was a white thing. Uh, yes. There's, in fact, look, uh, President Herbert Hoover was the leader of the Lily White movement. Mm -hmm. He was a Republican. Yeah. I mean, look, but we don't have to go into history. We can stay here in 2019. In 2019, we have a sitting member of Congress that wants to repeal the 14th Amendment because it grants birthright citizenship. That is a current sitting member of Congress of Steve King. Um, and as a, I'll answer your question, as a black Republican, as a black conservative, hell yeah, I am absolutely everyday embarrassed by Larry Elder and a lot of other folks that get airtime on Fox News. Um, it's absolutely embarrassing. It's embarrassing to the black community. Um, you know, the thing is this, you know, there may be, you know, there may be, you know, hard for folks to directly tie their ancestry to, to folk, the direct slave owners. But I'll put it like this. Every single white person in America has benefited from the institution of slavery and the, and, and the way uh, a lot of policies and, 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 and economic opportunities are applied today. Uh, you know, if, if, if we didn't have uh, the economic history that we have here in this country, there would be no need for set aside. We would have to have this conversation. But because of redlining, uh, because of the need of, 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 of things like the Fair Housing Act and the Voting Rights Act right. and the Civil Rights Act, um, here we are today. Erica, it's a lie. Republicans did own slaves. Democrats own slaves. Guess what? They have been racist Democrats, racist Republicans. And what all Larry Elder also does not want to own up to, that Southern Dixiecrats 
align with conservative Republicans to try to stop the Voting Rights Act of 65 and the Civil Rights Act of 64. What Larry Elder also does not want to mention is that it was Republicans who also filibustered uh, the Fair Housing Act. It was a Republican, okay, who was like, we are not moving on this. And so we can sit here and play games all day, and I love them trying to sit here and pin this, but here's the deal. Since, 19, since the Civil Rights Act of 64, which, of course, uh, Barry Goldwater opposed, right. the reality is the Republican Party has flipped. The Republican Party today is the opposition party. They are against civil rights. They are against affirmative action. They are in support of voter suppression. They consistently advocate for policies that denigrate, degrade, and actually limit the future of African Americans. It's just a fact. Erica, go ahead. Absolutely, Roland, and you said it perfectly. And we saw this mass exodus of Republicans, you know, starting back in the late 40s and continuing on to the 70s and 80s. As you mentioned, they are Dixiecrats. LBJ said that after signing both of those historical acts that you named, one of which has been uh, gutted um, back in 2013, um, that um, provides voter protections, uh, particularly for black and brown communities, that listen, that he knew that he had delivered okay he delivered the vote and lost the south to republicans so honestly this is less about party this is about slave owners who were um white women and men and so that is something that needs to be accounted for but um what is very unfortunate is that we're living in a climate of sound bites and so that there are people that don't really care about the context or that don't have the historical context who understand of that this has never been about party. This has always been about upholding whiteness. Well, what you got is Fox News when it will never have somebody on the opposite side to actually provide those facts, which yeah. are critically important. And so they'll trot out the Burgess Owens of yep. the world. They'll trot out Larry Elder. They'll trot out Candace Owens. Yep. They'll trot out all of those people, none of them who seem to have ever actually read a book to understand what the truth is when it comes to policies in this country. Uh, and so the, the operative word in white supremacy is white. Yep. And folks need to understand that. And again, if any of y'all out there, if you are a conservative and you want to disagree with me, fine. I want you to go type in Google Herbert Hoover and the Lily White Party. That was a faction of the Republican Party that aligned with the KKK, and they wanted nothing to do with black people. Herbert Hoover was one of the most racist presidents in American history. He was a Republican, and he was followed eventually by another, a grand racist in Woodrow Wilson, who was a Democrat. You know what that means? Two white men, one Democrat, one Republican, both of them were racist. That is simply our reality. All right, folks, uh, I have got to go. want to thank Eugene. want to thank uh, Erica. want to thank CJ. Uh, folks, uh, we're broadcasting live uh, from Atlanta. Tomorrow I'm going to be playing uh, in a golf tournament. I'll be, I'm the host of it. Uh, and all the money we raise goes to support, uh, goes to support Susan Taylor's National Cares Mentoring Project. And so uh, what's going on, we're going to be uh, tomorrow 8 a.m. Uh, out at uh, Wolf Creek Golf Club, 3000 Union Road in southwest atlanta uh you can come on out if you want to register you can do so uh it is for their university for parents uh and so we are looking forward uh to having a good time out there uh susan called me and she said roland can you please do this i said look when susan taylor calls 
you answer the phone. Uh, and so that's why I'm here in Atlanta. And so it is a gorgeous uh, day uh, out, out here in Atlanta. A little warm, but I'm from Houston, so it's no big deal. Uh, but uh, uh, if you want to support Roller Martin Unfiltered, folks, uh, we're all about presenting you news and information you're not going to get anywhere else. We're all about, of course, empowering you as well. And so to support us, we want you to go to uh, RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. Join our Brain the Funk fan club. And if you join the fan club, you get discounts uh, to books and other items on my website. Uh, if you have signed up via Cash App, if you have not gotten your uh, promo code, uh, shoot us an email. We'll get it to you as well. Our goal is to get a thousand new uh, fan members by the end of June. Uh, and so our goal is to get folks to contribute fifty bucks. It can be it can be uh, five bucks a month. It could be at one time. You can do it over the course of a period, a course of uh, several months. But and if you also want to give more than that, that's fine as well. But what we're trying to create here is an independent black media company that speaks to our issues and our concerns. So that's why we are here. And so please support us at Roller Martin Unfiltered. Dot com. All right, folks, I got to go. Uh, I shall be back in studio on Monday. Looking forward to it. Uh, and again, uh, be sure to support Susan Taylor's National Cares Mentoring Project uh, for everybody uh, back there in D.C. Hope you have a fantastic weekend. Talk to you guys later. Holla! If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 